everybody. This is Miss Kamei. I am your host on the Miss Kamei Show. I'm broadcasting live from the fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada. And today I have an amazing, 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 amazing guest on my show, Jerry Carbo Esquire. Welcome, counselor. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. And thank you for having me. Yes. Great to be here. Yes, of course. Of course. So for those of you who don't know who uh, Jerry Carbo is, Jerry is the president of the National Workplace Bullying Coalition. Uh, for those of you who are familiar with me and my platform of workplace bullying, I partnered with the National Workplace Bullying Coalition back in 2015 uh, through Miss Kamei's Black Tie Fashion Gala. And that's where I met Jerry and we worked together um, there with the gala and then moved into a book project, an anthology project um, that we worked with. Uh, um, with other board members on. And so we have a little bit of history and here today, present day, um, we are doing amazing things within the nonprofit, which we're gonna talk more about um, in our interview. So Jerry, I wanna uh, really kind of highlight uh, that you are a professor of labor relations and business and society at Shippensburg University Grove College of Business. How long have you been doing that? Well, I've been here at Chippensburg University for uh, 12 years, and um, sort of hard for me to believe this, but I've, I've been in academia now for 20 years. I was at uh, Fairmont State University prior to Chippensburg, and I uh, was a director of the MBA program there, um, in addition to being a faculty member. Wow. So how did you go from being a lawyer and practicing law to, to teaching? How did, how did you make that transition? Yeah. So, I mean, um, so my career path is really, I started off in HR, actually. Um, I was an employee relations manager uh, and then an HR manager for two different Fortune 50 companies. And, um, you know, my view has always been sort of the, the shirt I'm wearing today, workers' rights or human rights. And, and my goal really as an HR manager and as an employee relations manager was to further that cause, to be able to be the the advocate for workers. Um, and as many of us, I think, realize today, uh, it's tough for HR to be truly that advocate. You know, right. HR, HR reports to management. HR is part of management. It's sort of like if you're in litigation, uh, asking the other side to select and pay for your attorney. And of course, you would never uh, um, trust that. And, and HR <laughs> is sort of the same way. So um, after spending some time in industry, you know, I, I came to that realization and decided that uh, I could help more by one, furthering my research and, and working on things like uh, uh, the Dignity at Work Act or working on things that relate to workplace bullying and harassment and, and entering into academia. So, um, so it was really from industry that I, that I entered there and have always, um, since that time actually practiced law, um, sort of as a almost, I wouldn't call it a side gig, but it's something that I do um, when I think that I can help people effectively. Got it, got it. So uh, there was also a time that you served on the EEOC Select Task Force for the study of workplace harassment. So talk to me about that. Yeah, so uh, back in 2015, um, the uh, chair of the EEOC, um, Jenny Yang, as well as a couple of the commissioners, maybe even more of the commissioners, but two that we worked with uh, directly, um, Commissioner Lipnick and Commissioner 
Commissioner Feldblum, you know, they were in essence looking at the fact that 30 years after, or almost at that point, 30 years after the Meritor Savings Bank case that said harassment based on protected statuses is unlawful, that the numbers really hadn't gone down. Uh, the commissioners were noticing that much of their the workload and caseload at the EEOC was in workplace harassment. And so what they looked to do is to bring together experts from across the country in all different fields and different areas to, to figure out ways to really solve the problem differently than what had occurred in the past 29 years. You know, to, and the idea was, let's bring this group together and study for a year and hopefully get a report out on the anniversary of the Meritor Savings Bank case. So it marked 30 years and we would say the next 30 years are going to be different. And so um, every couple of months, the 17 of us on that, that uh, task force would come together, we would uh, discuss issues, bring our insights in, um, and maybe most importantly, we would bring experts, other experts in for interviews and to provide testimony and to sort of guide the advice that we would give to the EEOC commissioners. And um, around the beginning of 2016, we gave that advice to the commissioners and they they wrote their report, which is an outstanding report. Highly recommend that people read it, the 2016 uh, EEOC STF report on the study of workplace harassment. Um, and then, then we stayed together for a couple more years because we knew that it was still an issue. We knew it was still a problem. And I think that uh, part of that advice also went into proposed regulations or proposed enforcement guidance, I should say, um, yeah. that is still sort of in the proposed stage because as many of us realize, there was a bit of turnover in 20, at the end of 2016 or the beginning of 2017 <laughs> with the commission as well as most agencies. And, um, and the hope is that maybe by 2021, we'll see maybe a return to those proposed regs to really knock out and to fully address unlawful forms of bullying in the workplace, which is unlawful harassment. Um, same behaviors. The only difference is we're talking about those behaviors are based on protected statuses, race, color, national origin, gender, mm -hmm. age status over 40, disability, and religion. So, um, and it was a great group of, of individuals. We had HR managers. We had uh, consultants from different industry groups. Uh, labor leaders, academics, and union, um, uh, and advocates for plaintiffs as well. So what is the role of the EEOC? Um, and, and I ask this question because uh, part of my consulting work that I do in consulting with targets who are being bullied in, in the workplace, mm -hmm. um, the EEOC, you know, is kind of, I guess, the, you know, the, the first administrative move that, that I would encourage a target to take for, yeah. for preliminary reasons, not necessarily uh, for resolution to the problem, but more of a preliminary step in, in the entire process. So what is the EEOC's role? Yeah, so 100% I agree with you uh, in, in the way that I would view the EEOC. And that is, you know, given given the cuts to the budget and given the uh, amount of investigators that they have today and agents that they have today, 
viewing them as sort of that preliminary role is exactly what they do. Um, if you have an issue of harassment or discrimination based upon any of those protected statuses, um, you can file a complaint with the EEOC. Um, you have 180 days, or if you have a state agency, you have 360 days to get that complaint to the EEOC. And they do two things. One, hopefully they investigate and they investigate fully, um, which would include take, you know, fielding your complaint, clearing up any issues that they would have with it, making sure they have the full complaint, and then um, informing the employer and conducting an investigation on that side as well, and then talking to witnesses and um, if, if they find the need to talk to witnesses. Um, and uh, and putting a case file together. Now, the second thing they may do, and they're really supposed to do in all cases, is they're supposed to uh, attempt conciliation, which for lack of better terms, in essence, mediation between the two parties, right? They're supposed to try to bring the two parties together to find a resolution. Um, honestly, that that happens, I would say, more procedurally than substantively a lot of times. It's sort of, well, you know, we asked both sides and one side said no, so we're not going to pursue, pursue it further. But some agents are a little more aggressive about that and will try to bring the two parties together. Um, the, the benefit of this is you get some discovery out of it. Right. And, and you have to, of course, with the EEOC, it's an interesting, you know, uh, the way it works is a bit interesting. Some agents will turn over their case file to you, but generally you have to file FOIA to get your own case file. But you still get the case file. Right, and if you right. have a, and if you have a good investigator, it's almost like hiring a private investigator to sort of start your investigation of your case. So it gives you a lot of good foundation. Um, and then of course, if you have a, if the EEOC finds that there's cause, well that helps you in pursuing a settlement with the employer. So it's great to have that too. The other thing that the EEOC does that a lot of people don't realize is they actually do adjudicate for federal employees. So they will decide the federal employee cases and it's actually through that adjudication that they were able to establish a standard and it took them 20 years to do this It's a 20 year effort to establish a standard where um, uh, the sexual orientation and identity is included with gender under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act. So, and they did that through federal cases that they decided, and they laid out four ways that, that we link um, uh, those things to gender, and therefore it falls under Title VII, and that actually then sort of spread to a couple of the circuit courts, and now we see those circuit cases in front of the Supreme Court. Now, hopefully what we'll see is the Supreme Court won't turn the clock back and do away with those 20, now 20 plus years of work, but um, so they also, they, but they do play that important adjudication role for federal sector workers. Nice. That, that's actually a great detail, uh, knowing that, you know, on the federal level. Um, many employers don't want an EEOC investigation at all. Correct. Um, because you, you, you know, although they might be investigating a, a certain or specific complaint, um, as you shared, you know, in, in the discovery process, um, you know, who knows what they could potentially find that would yes. you know, potentially be harmful to the employer. So, um, in my consulting business, it is the first very powerful step in the process because you're now sending a message to your employer that 
this is serious. This is a big deal. You're not going away. (laughs) Your, your complaints of harassment and bullying in the workplace. um, Like we're in the Super Bowl. We're playing for that Lombardi, that Lombardi trophy right now. Um, So it really sends a very, very powerful, powerful message. So in all the work that you've done, you have a law degree, um, you've, you know, served on the task force with the EEOC, um, you've been a union consultant, uh, but most importantly, an activist and an advocate, um, which is something uh, that I have grown to know about you. Um, I've come to you many times with, you know, questions on, on things that we've worked with on NWBC. Um, most recently, we have expanded uh, the National Workplace Bullying Coalition nonprofit. Um, with you in the, the, the place uh, or the position of the president, we are moving and shaking. We are, are doing lots of great things. Um, something that I would like you to share, I have been so impressed um, and actually was, was brought to tears when I read the Dignity at Work Act bill, which you drafted. And um, as a uh, target of workplace bullying myself, um, reading this bill brought, um, surprisingly, healing and restoration to me. Because after reading the bill, I I said to myself, this is what, this is it. This is what is going to make bullying in our country illegal. So talk to us about the, the DAWA, we call it DAWA, Dignity at yep. Work, D-A-W-A. So talk to me about that bill. Talk, talk, talk to yeah. me about that. How did you draft it? How long did it take you? Um, and what, what, are, um, what are your intentions behind the, the bill? Yeah, so the the first version of the bill, I would say, took the longest because the first version of the bill is really, I would say, 20 years culmination of all of my work and experience and all of my research into workplace bullying. So so it encompasses my time in HR, it encompasses my time uh, in drafting and implementing workplace harassment policies and, and engaging in training and uh, conducting investigations. Um, unfortunately, I've, you know, conducted um, at least a dozen investigations of workplace harassment when I was in industry, which to me is more than I, I would have liked to have seen, um, even though they're with large employers. Um, and then I interviewed dozens of targets of workplace bullying for my research. And it's really those targets that developed the bill is how I would put it. You know, the, it was their experiences, their stories. And, and the reality is, you know, when we start looking at bullies or target stories of bullying, they're all important. And so oftentimes we miss that fact. I think our jurisprudence system misses that fact. We, we address unlawful harassment because it's discriminatory, but what we're missing is it's the harassment, the behavior that's actually what we should be addressing. And yeah. even more more than that, it's the dignity that we should be addressing. Everybody has an inherent right to dignity. Right. And that came through so clearly with the targets that I spoke to and, and that I had the chance to interview and then watch in focus groups as part of my research as well. And, and the bill really grew out from their experiences. 
And that was the first draft of the bill. So the first draft of the bill is available in, in uh, my book, Understanding, Defining, and Eliminating Workplace Bullying. Um, but if you happen to have a copy of that book or, or you pick up a copy of that book, you'll see our current DAWA is a bit different from that. And so the next phase of DAWA was to also bring in other experts. And those experts included targets. Those experts included activists. Um, we worked with other other uh, organizations and we've now developed relationships with other organizations uh, and workplace abuse now as uh, one example but there are several others um, and activists from across the country just you know um, added their experiences added their thoughts uh, a number of attorneys uh, on the employment side both in the uh, employer side and employee side you know reviewed the legislation and, and made tweaks here or there um, lived experiences change things right the issues that we see with ndas played a part in changing the bill itself the experiences that we've seen with forced arbitration changed the bill itself and and it, and it will probably continue to change it's organic and and workplace bullying is organic um you know i, I would love to see a day when we eliminate all forms of workplace bullying but i know that won't happen and i would love i would love to be able to list every form of workplace bullying as well in the bill but that also won't happen because bullies are creative and right. they'll always find different ways um, um, and that's why the other piece of this bill that I think is so important is it doesn't necessarily focus on what we're prohibiting which is workplace bullying its primary focus is the positive right to dignity in the workplace yes. and when that dignity is harmed you have a cause of action under DAWA Right. So for those of you who don't understand our legal jargon, <laughs> a cause of action um, it actually is the basis for a lawsuit, for yes. you to, to file a, a lawsuit. Um, and that really is required in, in any potential lawsuit. You have to have a cause of action uh, to be able to sue. So um, our intention with the bill is to lobby it to our uh, city and our county and our state officials in, in respective states. Um, so NWBC has uh, put together an amazing board of directors. We have uh, Janice White, who's one of our board directors, um, Deb Falzoy, who was a guest on my show a few weeks ago. Um, just amazing, amazing team of people from around the country that you, you know, that you have facilitated and put together. And so we are, um, looking for bill directors in each yes. respective state um, to really, you know, hand walk this bill um, to our city and county and state officials. So talk to us about the importance of the, the role of the bill director in, in each respective state. Now, yeah. how many states we've got? Was it 12 states we've got bill directors in now? Yeah, we add almost every day. So um, Deb, who you just mentioned, um, keeps me updated on that. And um, and she is sort of the one collecting the numbers and, and keeping um, the legislative side of things organized. Um, and I believe we just added a couple more states. So we're probably up to 14 or to 15 at this point. So I know she has sent me some information. Exactly. Exactly. And, and some of the states are surprising. So, you know, I know states that you wouldn't think of. 
um, South Carolina, for example, we have some traction there. And that's not known as an employee, an employee friendly state by any means. And so, right. so it's always good to see, see those things. But the bill directors are the heart of the legislative side. So the National Workplace Bullying Coalition, what we do is we provide the support for people to pass this legislation. We provide the support for people to take other steps to address workplace bullying as well, but we're not actually the, um, uh, what would I say? We're not, well, one, we don't engage in lobbying, of course, because we're a, a nonprofit organization, but we also um, really just are there to support those bill directors. They are the heart of everything if we want to see legislation in this country. Um, yeah. And, and really, it's at the state level that we seem to be having some of the most success, um, with also some potential for local level um, uh, legislation. And eventually, we hope for federal, but I think that's a little bit further down the road. Um, but, but the state directors, they are the key. They're the ones who reach out, who find legislators who are interested, who, you know, we help to give them the information to support and to argue for why this bill makes sense. But the other thing is, you know, my expectation is that state bill directors, as I've said, DAWA is organic. We 100% believe that there needs to be a strong bill with strong enforcement to end workplace bullying, to pre protect dignity in the workplace, but that might differ from state to state. And right. so when a bill director finds an issue and says, this is, this is what works with my state, then we want them to bring that forward and, and maybe to consult with us and, and we'll, we'll, we'll address whether or not those changes make sense and what else might be able to be done. Um, but it's really the bill director's bill it, until it becomes a legislator's bill. And that's the other thing people need to understand. Once a bill enters into a legislator's hands and they put it forward, that bill belongs to the legislators. And so again, DAWA might change at that, that point in time. But, right. but everything that happens at the state level, it's the bill directors that, that do it. They, they, they bring people together. They form their team. They organize their team. Um, they are the heart and soul. And what we look at is our role as the National Workplace Bullying Coalition, as well as the other organizations we work with, we're there to support them in right. any way that we can, um, right. whether that's advice, whether that's just lending an ear, whether, you know, um, you know, uh, it's, you know, um, proofreading, anything that they need, <laughs> that's what we'll do. We're helping them to organize. One of our teams, right. you know, we've, we've sort of um, talked with them about what different people can do in different roles and, sure. and, and how that makes a team work together. So. Sure, yeah. sure. Well, the, the, the board, within itself, you know, and the volunteers that we have, um, you know, with the coalition, um, you know, like we, we, we simply don't have enough time in this interview to really list off um, the credentials and, you know, the people who have joined us, um, yeah. you know, our board members, um, you know, our volunteers, the bill directors that we have. It is, it is a group of people that share a common vision yes. of removing workplace bullying uh, out of our workplaces. Yes. And I mean, your resume is extremely impressive. Um, Sue Yang, who is on our uh, board as well, she was also part of the EEOC for many years. She's a lawyer as well. Um, 
it, it, I mean, I wish we had an office where we could go to every day. What an amazing office that would be, you know, yes. um, just so much experience and the, the passion, um, you know, behind this, uh, this cause. So for those of you who are interested or who might, um, you know, want a little bit more information about becoming a bill director or just volunteering, um, you don't necessarily have to, uh, you know, volunteer and become a bill director. Um, if you have a story, if you know someone who has been bullied in the workplace, we would love to hear from you. Um, there is a place for everybody, right, Jerry? Yes, we, we With, without a doubt. And I think that those places, what you also find is there's a lot of um, catharsism in those roles. So even if you say, I want to be involved, I'm not sure if I want to be a bill director yet. And even if you become a bill director and maybe a bill never gets put forward, just being involved, I have found it can be so helpful to people who've been through these through a bullying experience. So yeah. everybody is welcome. And yes. there are all kinds of things that you can do. Yes, yes. So what would you say to someone who, who feels like they're being bullied in the workplace right now? What, 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 I guess, advice, because you're a lawyer, so you can give us advice, right? <laughs> I can give you some, yes. <laughs> so what, what advice would you give them? What would you tell them? Yeah, so I think the first thing is, if you've come to the point where you think you might be bullied in the workplace, you almost definitely are. Because what typically happens, and I think this is part of a cultural thing in the United States, is when people are targeted for bullying, they ignore it for a long time. And, um, and they don't like to admit to being bullied. And so there's almost sort of this individual consciousness that arises after a, a bit of time. So if you think you're being bullied, one, you probably are. And when you come to that realization, my first thing I would say is step back and assess the damage that's been done to you. Okay. Because you've really, you've really always got to keep your eye on that. And, yeah. and the unfortunate reality is for the vast majority of targets of workplace bullying, the end of their story at that place of employment is that they're going to end up leaving. And for many targets, the key is identifying when you have to get out. Right. And you have to get out before the damage is irreparable right. and it can become irreparable. So always focus on that. Always focus on yourself um, and your health and what you need to do. The second thing is document. From the second you think it might be happening, document everything, good and bad. You know, um, document interactions that you have, you know, document exchanges. The, if you can get others to, uh, uh, to in essence, um, confirm that documentation, even better. One of the things I love to see as an attorney is a client who sent an email to their supervisor who told them to do something and just said, just want to make sure this is what you told me to do. If not, um, let me know where I'm wrong. And then you send that email out and I don't even care if there's a response. I just need to see that you sent the email. So it was received and they had a chance to say, Oh no, no, that's not what I meant. You know? And if they haven't done that, they've just confirmed what you said. So if you can document things that way, all the better, but, yeah. but you know, keep, keep solid documentation. Um, and then don't hesitate to find help. And if the first place that you find help 
isn't helpful, find a second place. Yeah. So many times I, I hear today from employment attorneys things like, well, I need to see a smoking gun before there's any legitimate claim. That's not the case, right? right? I mean, in fact, very few cases are what we would call smoking gun direct evidence. Right, cases. right. <laughs> so if an attorney tells you that, find another attorney, you yeah. know, keep moving on. Yeah. Um, and then since it's progressed, again, I would go back to that first piece of advice. And that is at some point you might have to be prepared again to know when it's right to leave. Um, because I know how difficult that is in today's economy. And, um, and I know sometimes that's not possible. And I know that has a lot of costs to it. But we also know from the research that things like heart disease, Yes. PTSD, yes. suicide ideation, and even suicide Correct. are all outcomes of workplace bullying. Correct. And um, and nobody wants to see that, or at least nobody in our group wants to see that right. happen to any individual. Right. Um, uh, and definitely not for for work. Right. Correct. One of our one of our current uh, uh, Twitter tags right now is not dying for work, and I don't want to see anybody die for work. That shouldn't happen. Yes, yes. Great points, Jerry. Really, really, really great points. Um, where can people find your book? You, you, uh, you wrote, authored a book and it's a great resource. It's a great tool for people um, who are being bullied or have been bullied in the workplace. Where can they find that book? Yeah, so I mean, pretty much any any bookstore it should be available. However, what I would really like to see is people going to Routledge directly, because of course, when we think of bookstores today, we tend to think of Amazon. And and I would just recommend until Amazon cleans up their act, yeah. I don't want to endorse uh, their act with their employees. I don't want to endorse them at all. So uh, you can go directly to the publisher, Routledge. Um, and if anyone's having trouble finding it, they can always uh, email me and I can uh, uh, make sure to direct them that way. But again, Routledge uh, directly sells it and uh, that would be my preferred, but any bookstore tends to, any online bookstore tends to carry it. Perfect. Perfect. Um, I will definitely post the link um, down here in the comments uh, where you can actually get a copy of that, that book. Um, if you're having challenges, you can definitely reach out directly to uh, Jerry Carbo uh, for the book as well. You can contact me. I can connect you directly to Jerry. Yep, exactly. <laughs> where, where he can help you. Um, for those of you who want more information about the Dignity at Work Act and the things that we are doing with DAWA, if you're interested in becoming a bill director, please go to our website, dignityatworkact.org. Um, you can actually read a copy of the bill there. Um, there is a bill director toolkit that is on that website that you can read through and really determine, um, you know, in what capacity you want to be involved. Um, if you have questions, if you want legislative updates, States, you can actually email us at info at dignity at work act.org and we can get you uh, signed up for those legislative updates. Um, Jerry, where can people find you and connect with you uh, directly? So, I mean, a number of, a number of ways, uh, you know, I am a professor at Shippensburg University, so you can always contact me through that contact information, but really the best way for this issue would be through the, uh, uh, workplace bullying, workplace bullying coalition.org, which is the National Workplace Bullying Coalition's uh, website. And uh, there's also a contact information there uh, that has an email address um, 
or you can just uh, drop a message into the Dropbox there, and and I will receive that. Um, but again, you know, if, if people really want to take the next step, you can go to Shippensburg University, and uh, my email is right there on the directory of that as well. So perfect, perfect. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jerry. I so appreciate your time. Um, I value this content so much. Um, this is a, a platform of mine. It will be until the day I die. Um, I, I definitely um, am grateful to be a part of this and be involved and to be able to rub shoulders with someone as iconic as you um, on the topic. You are uh, just a vessel of information, of support and love and compassion for us. Um, I so appreciate and value everything that you're doing. Again, you guys, if you want information about what we're doing with DAWA, go to dignityatworkact.org. You can also send us an email at info at dignityatworkact.org, and we will uh, be more than happy to connect with you. Thank you so much, Jerry, for being my guest. Uh, we'll Thank you. see you on, on our, our board meeting yes. call. <laughs> yes, looking forward to it. Thank you so much for everything you're doing and, and for yes. inviting me today. So yes. really appreciate you're it. Welcome. You're welcome so much. Have a fabulous day and we will chat soon, Jerry. Excellent. Thank you so much. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.